Well, good day, friends, and welcome to another episode of our Equip podcast, where we go back over what we looked at in class on Sunday. Now, we've begun a new series looking at what happens after we die. So we're looking at heaven, hell, and the intermediate state, and we've been doing that now for two weeks. In the first week, we sort of just got our heads around uh, the different perspectives around this, looking at things like soul sleep, uh, things like embodiment in the new creation, and just sort of hearing where you guys currently land on a bunch of those questions. And we're going to look at some of those in more detail next week as we embark on looking at hell and heaven in the week following. But of course, uh, this week we looked at the intermediate state and we took a biblical theology approach Do you remember what that means? You might remember that I talked about biblical theology and systematic theology. The biblical theology approach, which isn't called biblical because it's more biblical than other approaches, it just means that you're following the story of the Bible from start to finish. Biblical theology is about starting at creation and charting our way through the unfolding narrative of the Old Testament to the revelation of the Son in the Gospels, to the early church, to Revelation and the eschaton, the end of things. And so we take a topic like death or heaven or hell or the intermediate state and we see what unfolds as the Bible story unfolds. We took that approach on Sunday and we found things like the Old Testament talks about Sheol, a bunch, which is often translated the grave, And then we came to the New Testament and we found that when it comes to the intermediate state, the experience we'll have after we die, but before Jesus returns, the New Testament uses the word Hades or in Greek, Hades, a lot. And we started to ponder, hold on a second, we often talk about heaven and hell as the place where we go after we die. What on earth is this Sheol and and Hades. Those are kind of, they might be familiar vocabulary, but when we talk about where we spend time after we die, they're probably pretty unused vocabulary, at least colloquially. So what do we do with that? Well, in today's podcast, I want to take us back to those words. And instead of doing a biblical theology approach from Genesis to Revelation, uh, and if you want to look back at that, you can look at the sheet, Um, But instead of taking that approach, we're going to go the opposite way and take a systematic theology approach. And I hope by doing that, it'll help maybe answer some of the questions that you guys had on Sunday about how this all works. So the first systematic theology observation we might have about the intermediate state is that the Bible is pretty scant about it. We have to cluster together bits of verses here and there in order to try and get a picture. And so, like I said on Sunday, if the Old Testament is like looking at the topic uh, with our glasses off, so it's pretty blurry and we, we get a bit of the sense, but not much detail. The New Testament is like putting glasses on, but they're fogged up. We get some extra detail, we get some extra clarity, but it's still not everything we'd like. I think what that indicates is that the intermediate state 
is not an overly important doctrine in the big scheme of things. It is important. It does have meaning, but I think it's relativized under the far more important doctrines of what happens when Jesus returns. Where will we spend eternity? The Bible has a lot more to say about the new creation, about the final judgment, about what we might call the new heavens and the new earth and hell. That's what we're going to look at next week. However, there are some important things that we can still draw out about the intermediate state. And so here's a few more systematic theology conclusions that we might draw. First of all, our entry into the intermediate state will be immediate after death. You might remember how Jesus said to the, uh, the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise. This indicates that as soon as we die, we will go to the place of the dead, the intermediate state. The Old Testament calls that place Sheol, which like we saw is a neutral realm. And the New Testament calls that place Hades, again, somewhat of a neutral realm. The Old Testament, when it talks about Sheol, is the place where both the righteous and the wicked go. But it seems, at least in terms of the illustration, the righteous are taken out of Sheol and are brought into the presence of God. Again, it's, we sort of view this with glasses off. We don't really get a, a full sense of how that looks. Abraham, when he died, for example, did he sort of dip into Sheol for a couple of seconds and then God reached down and grabbed him out? Well, <laughs> we're not told. What we are told is that the righteous are not left to see corruption. That's Psalm 16 verses 9 to 10. And that God redeems the life of his saints from the grave, from Sheol. That's Psalm 49 verse 15. We also hear about David's confidence in the Psalms that God will receive him into glory. Psalm 73 verse 24 and the famous words from Psalm 23, that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David isn't picturing a time where he'll be abandoned to um, the torment of the grave. He's picturing a seamless process of going from life to death to life with God, all of it existing in his house, that is metaphorically his presence. So, the Old Testament pictures the place of the dead as a neutral realm, this, this grave, this Sheol, but from which the righteous are redeemed. The New Testament, what clarity does it give us? Well, again, our systematic theology conclusion is that our uh, journey into the grave is an immediate one after we die, but much like David's hope, it doesn't pass through a place of torment before we get to God. We go straight to the presence of the Lord. Like Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Or also, as he says, 
you will not abandon my soul. This is Peter preaching this. You will not abandon my soul to the grave. My suche, my soul to the grave, hades, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Quoting Psalm chapter 16. I think that Peter is picturing exactly the same thing that David did. It's not as though he has to take a pit stop through Sheol, through a place of torment, in order to get to God. He goes straight to be with God. At the same time, Revelation can talk about death and Hades giving up the dead that were in them. That's Revelation 20 verse 13. And each person was judged according to what he had done. So there is a way still of talking about the dead as in Hades, both the righteous and the wicked. But at the same time, the righteous sort of have this added detail that they are with the Lord. We aren't told that the wicked in Hades have that benefit, of course. Another interesting observation on that would be in Luke chapter 16, where we get the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. We're told that the rich man goes to Hades. We're not told that Lazarus goes to Hades. Instead, he's carried immediately to Abraham's side. He's at Abraham's bosom with the Lord. And so what we might surmise from this is that the dead, though it can be said they go to the grave, the, the realm of the dead, whether Sheol or Hades, uh, the righteous don't stay there or they don't experience the torment of Hades. Instead, they experience intimacy, joy, closeness, healing, restoration with the Lord. So by means of application, you don't need to fear that you will see torment in the life to come if you are in Christ. You will go to immediately be with the Lord. Another observation we might have in terms of systematic theology is that we will be conscious in the intermediate state, whether righteous or wicked. Remember how Paul said that I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. We would surmise that a unconscious life is not better than a conscious life. Think about all the things that under God's common grace we enjoy in this life right now. I'm looking outside my window right now and seeing lots of green and I'm seeing sunshine. I'm seeing blue skies. I'm seeing birds flitting about. I'm enjoying the process of being conscious right now, um, which sounds like a funny thing to say. But, but hey, we can point that out. And we can say that, of course, if I was unconscious, uh, I wouldn't get to enjoy God's good common grace. But Paul talks about going and being with the Lord, which is better by far. There are other indications as well that we might be conscious in the intermediate state. And I'll give you a few references to chase up here. Luke 23, 43 is one. Hebrews 12, 23. Revelation 6, 9 to 11. You might want to pause uh, the recording right now and just look those up. Luke 23, 43, Hebrews 12, 23, and Revelation 6, 9 to 11. The concept of soul sleep is foreign to the Bible because it is better by far to go and be with the Lord. One other systematic theology conclusion we might have here is that the intermediate state is only a transition. Like we talked about, it's 
life on the train. No one wants to live on a train, especially not city rail. The train takes us to our destination. And as we'll see next week, our destination, our final resting place, will be either hell, the second judgment, the fiery lake reserved for the wicked and the devil and all his demons, or it will be what the scriptures call heaven or the new heavens and the new earth, where we'll continue our life with the Lord. Um, as we'll see as well, the intermediate state, although it is better by far than life now, at least for the righteous, pales in comparison to the new heavens and the new earth, which are better again by far than the intermediate state. How is it that being with the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth could be better than being with the Lord in the intermediate state? Well, we'll see in a couple of weeks when we tackle the doctrine of the new creation. Hopefully that's helpful for you in untangling some of these things. Um, colloquially, of course, we might still talk about heaven and hell as the resting place of the righteous and the wicked in the intermediate state. And I'm not going to pull you up on that if I hear you talk about heaven or hell. Um, on the sheet, we even read in the Westminster Confession of Faith, they use the language of hell to talk about the intermediate state. However, I think that there's something to be gained by a bit more exactness with our vocabulary here, that we go to Hades or Sheol, and that the righteous go to be with the Lord rather than torment of the grave. There's probably some, some helpfulness to that in acknowledging that this is a temporary condition and that we actually look forward to the new creation most of all. And I think we'll see the payload of why that's important as we get together this week to consider the difficult doctrine of hell. Hopefully see you there. And if you've got any questions about what we covered this week, please send me an email or give me a call. Love to chat. Uh, and at the start of next week, we, we're going to briefly consider the Catholic doctrine, the Roman Catholic doctrine of purgatory and why that's very foreign to the Bible. Thanks very much, guys.